Shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hey, it's Ty Smith of the Spokane Chiefs. It's Adam Bocas. Hey, it's Joe Valeno from the Drummondville Voltigeurs. Hey, it's Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hi, I'm Dominic Fox. I'm Jacob Bernard Docker of the Oak Hills Oilers. It's Joe Bryan. Hi, it's Barrett Hayden of the Sioux Greyhounds. Brady Kachuk from the Boston University Terriers. Major Junior. In the 100th year of the Memorial Cup, the Ankeny Panthers T-Tall have won it for the first time. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. The Buffalo Sabres are proud to select Trollunda defenseman Rasmus Dahlin. And more. Oh, yes! Oh, my goodness. We're not going home yet, baby! This is the Pipeline Show. Here we go. Good weekend, and welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show. My name is Guy Flaming. Thanks for stopping by once again if you're a returning listener and if you're new to the program because the NHL draft is around the corner and you're wanting to get up to date on uh, as much as you can, uh, do some a prospect uh, cramming before the uh, final exam, that is the NHL draft, uh, and you've come to the right place. Uh, and I appreciate you stopping by, and hopefully you'll stick around after the draft and into next season as well. My name is Guy Flaming, and uh, we always start the Pipeline show off with the question of the day, or question of the week, I guess, would be a more appropriate way to describe it. I put it up on Twitter, and the question is, uh, of the uh, 2019 eligible players this year, who have not already been a guest on the Pipeline show this season, featured in the 2019 Draft Spotlight, uh, who would you want me to get on the show bef- in the next couple of weeks before the NHL Draft? So pretty open uh, question there. It's not a poll or anything like that. If there's somebody that is draft eligible that I haven't already had on the show this season, and you want to hear from them, let me know, and I will do my best to set that up. I can tell you that uh, of the uh, first-round picks, the, 30, the guys ranked uh, in the top 31 by NHL Central Scouting in North America. Uh, I There are seven guys left that I haven't got to. Three of them are uh, not North American players. Uh, guys like Lassie Thompson, who, who does play in Kelowna in, in the WHL, but doesn't speak English well enough uh, to do an interview. So uh, guys like that, and, and Vlad Firstov uh, of the Waterloo Blackhawks and Nikita Alexandrov of Charlottetown. Uh, probably not on my to-get list. The other four of that top 31 that I haven't had on yet that are still on my to-get list are Jack Hughes, Trevor Zegris, and Cole Caulfield from uh, Team USA, and uh, Connor McMichael of the London Knights. I'm trying to get all four of those guys on. Aside from that, players I haven't already had on the show this season that you want to hear from before the NHL draft, uh, let me know. Send me a note on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy is where you can find uh, that question that I put up. Just reply to that. And uh, I'll take it from there and do my best to set that up. The news and notes uh, portion of this opening segment has some coaching updates around the Western Hockey League. I believe there are three teams now currently without a head coach. Uh, That number jumped up to three because Dan Lambert, right after signing an extension with the Spokane Chiefs, got an offer from the Nashville Predators, which obviously you're probably going to take. So he has uh, gone back to the uh, NHL. That leaves Spokane without a head coach. Dave Anning in uh, Brandon didn't have his contract renewed, but I don't know that that necessarily means he's out uh, because he is still listed as their head coach on the team website. 
And uh, that contract renewal was due at the end of May, so it's uh, a week later, and he's still listed as the head coach. So maybe just something, a bit of a formality that just uh, uh, needs to happen still, or maybe they do go in a different direction. I don't know. Uh, The other team is the Prince George Cougars, who uh, fired Richard Matvichuk last year. Also interesting with uh, Prince George, a story uh, earlier this week in the uh, Citizen uh, up in Prince George, uh, written by uh, Ted Clark. He had a conversation with Mark Lamb, and uh, lots of speculation that Mark Lamb, who is the GM up in Prince George, said he might leave to become an assistant coach with the Edmonton Oilers. So we'll look to see if uh, if that happens or not, and uh, if so, then I guess Prince George would be looking for a coach and a GM, and that immediately makes me think of Sean Clouston. Although, if you're Sean Clouston, is a Prince George uh, the next right job for you? A team that's clearly in a rebuild, one of the uh, bottom feeding teams from last season, uh, and let's be honest, geographically, it's it's out there. Uh, is that a comfortable landing spot for Sean Clouston, or? Are there other opportunities still for Cluson? I haven't heard that he has landed anything just yet. Uh, The other uh, noteworthy item I wanted to pass on, Jay O'Brien, a prospect of the Philadelphia Flyers, played played for Providence College last season. Uh, As reported by Jeff Cox uh, from the New England Hockey Journal and the New York Hockey Journal, he's been a guest on the show several times, Jeff Cox, back when he was with SB Nation and also did some work for some other outlets as well. But he reported way back in April, uh, April 23rd, as a matter of fact, that O'Brien was leaving Providence and would end up in the BCHL. And speculation uh, would be with the Penticton Vs. Well, that has been uh, confirmed now. The Vs have uh, made that official uh, on Twitter. But uh, tip of the hat or tip of the cap to Jeff Cox, who had that way back in April, like a month and a half ago, uh, he had already written that. So Jay O'Brien, first-round pick of the Flyers, who didn't have a great year at Providence. And uh, I said it at the start of the season that my concern was that uh, to go right from prep school stepping into the NCAA might have been a big jump. I would have actually liked to see him play a year in the USHL. Uh, Here, now it's going to be a year in Penticton, and the speculation is that Northeastern would be his landing spot after a season with the Vs. So we'll see what happens for that, all Flyer fans. Uh, we'll have a, a keen interest in following along with Jay O'Brien this year. All right, that's going to do it for the news and notes. Let's get to uh, the guest list. Here's what's coming down the pipe today. As I mentioned, uh, June, all about the NHL draft. Uh, so uh, three 2019 draft spotlight segments on the show this week. Going to hear from uh, Nolan Meyer, goaltender with the Saskatoon Blades. And again, these are guys who are kind of, I wouldn't say off the radar, but uh, further further down the, the rankings. And for the casual fan, might not be at the forefront when you're thinking of guys. These would be uh, players that I expect to go, you know, in rounds uh, three to seven. Uh, so we'll start with Nolan Meyer, netminder with the Saskatoon Blades. Then we'll go with uh, Dylan Hamilluck, who uh, played this year, the last uh, two and a half years, with the Seattle Thunderbirds. But uh, an offseason trade has uh, sent him to the Clone Rockets. We talked about that. And uh, this is a guy who only played... Just over 30 games this past season as well. Hasn't actually been on the ice in 2019 uh, to play a meaningful game because of uh, injury. But a talented player who, you know, out of sight, out of mind for some people, but uh, not for NHL scouts. He was at the uh, the Combine in Buffalo. Fully expect he'll hear his name at the NHL draft. Uh, David Cope of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Big six foot five forward. Started out slow uh, and uh, finished the year pretty well. 
Not a lock to get drafted at all, but a guy worthy of consideration for one of those uh, later round picks. And uh, I mentioned uh, the three players from the U.S. National Development Team I, I've been trying to get on the show. I'm not sure I'll be able to actually get any of them. I've, I've been asking for some of those players for like two months, and it's, it, they've just been so busy, and they've done so much media this year uh, that I have, I've been told they'll try, but uh, no guarantees. So the next best thing is to get a guy who's uh, watched them all year, and that's Pete Krupski, the uh, voice of the U.S. National Development Program, the U18 and the U17 teams. But he knows those players very, very, very well. Uh, so I have him on. Uh, it's going to be an extended segment with Pete as we talk a lot about, uh, about a lot of those players, and there are so many players on that team worth talking about. So that will be the final segment of the show today. So we'll kick it off with Nolan Meyer of the Saskatoon Blades, go with Dylan Hamilak of the Kelowna Rockets, slash Seattle Thunderbirds, David Cope of the Oil Kings, and then Pete Krupski, voice of the U.S. National Development Program's uh, U18 team. Three of my guests are CHL uh, players, all three of them, in fact, uh, out of the Western Hockey League. So there'll be three in the dub segments uh, for dubnetwork.ca, but you can also call them CHL insiders. And uh, the CHL insider is always brought to you by the store next door, the outstanding uh, store in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, collecting uh, broken hockey sticks and uh, their staff, uh, people with uh, employing people with disabilities, their staff uh, puts together some really great products out of these uh, broken hockey sticks. Go to the storenextdoor.ca, check out the uh, catalog and see what might be a right purchase for you or the uh, sport fan in your house. You know, everything from picture frames to uh, tables and desks and chairs and benches and uh, there's so just so many uh, cowbells. I mean, you can take, you can't do it at Rogers Place here in Edmonton, but uh, you can certainly do it in rinks like Prince Albert. We heard, but you can take a cowbell to uh, the the uh, the rink, make some noise, and uh, they make those there as well. So check out the store next door. Ca. Let's kick off the show next though with Nolan Meyer, netminder of the Saskatoon Blades. He's up first here on the Pipeline Show. And Doc will get back to it. Doc at his blue line. Comes to center. Ducks around Leeson. In over the line on the wing. Trying to go wide around. Pahal gets in front. Shoots and scores! Ah! Oh, let's go! Kirby Doc puts hand to the ear as if to listen for the boos from the crowd here at the Art Harris Center. But what a brilliant individual effort by Kirby Doc. And the Blades have opened the scoring in game two in Prince Albert. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades, and this is the Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. 
There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I know that, dude. We are back on The Pipeline Show. This week's episode kicks off with a 2019 draft spotlight, and it is a uh, in-the-dub segment as my guest comes from the Western Hockey League. Uh, dubnetwork.ca, make sure you keep up to date on everything happening around the Western Hockey League. Dubnetwork.ca, make it a daily stop for you, and uh, you'll figure out What's going on around the Western Hockey League? Uh, my guest today is a, a netminer with the Saskatoon Blades. His name is Nolan Meyer. Uh, Nolan, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Uh, no problem at all. Uh, I, I'm thankful that you were able to make time. I know it's a busy time uh, of uh, the season, not that you're playing, but getting ready for the draft. And uh, I imagine there's time in the gym, or or is there? What are you doing these days? Yeah, uh since I've been home, I've been working on school and kind of finishing up my high school graduation, but I've also been in the gym and kind of preparing for the next step, whatever that is. Uh, and I know you weren't at the NHL Combine, but I know I do talk to a lot of players who, even if they're not there, they do have conversations with teams. Anything like that going on for you right now, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been in contact with teams and kind of going through that process. Unfortunately, I wasn't at the Combine, like you said, but I know a couple guys there, and it was a Good experience for them, but I'm just excited for whatever happens at the end of this month. Were you disappointed not getting an invite to the combine? Did you expect one? Uh, honestly, I didn't really know. It's uh, it's a little disappointing. I kind of wanted to go and experience that, but obviously, I, w- I wasn't picked, so nothing I can do. It's out of my control. I'm just kind of focusing on draft and kind of seeing what happens. All right, well, let's talk about the season that was for you and for the Blades. A really strong team in Saskatoon this year. Uh, ended uh, earlier than, obviously, you would have liked, but uh, going up against the Prince Albert Raiders, uh, well, nobody fared well against the, the Prince Albert Raiders this year. How would you kind of look back on this season and, and, and give it a grade? Were you happy with the year? Yeah, I was happy with it. I think it was, uh, I think it was kind of bittersweet, obviously, not going as far as we wanted to, and we felt like we could have played against PA. They're a really good team at, it didn't help us meeting them in the second round, but I think uh, the grade was probably probably about A minus or a B plus. I'd probably say around there. So that was really good, kind of our first step as an organization to get back into the playoff spotlight and kind of desired destination to go. And I think it's a real promising there. Yeah, a real building year. I mean, all the experience uh, you and your teammates got this year and for you two years now in the WHL, but all of that coming into next season. Uh, I think it will probably be pretty valuable experience to have uh, sort of on your resume already, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I think the most experience you can get in any kind of situation in this league is valuable, and I think just kind of mm-hmm. building off that is going to be a real kind of stepping stone for us. For you, it was year two in the WHL, uh, and uh, your stats improved, uh, I think, as most people uh, usually uh, find uh, sort of a natural progression as you have another year under your belt. What was the biggest difference for you going from your rookie season uh, to your second year? I know, obviously, the team was better in front of you, but you were a better goaltender as well. Yeah, I think just kind of growing and kind of knowing what the league's like and kind of the process it takes in your body and just kind of the grind and the mental grind that it takes on you. I think you kind of just learn more about it after your second year, and I think it was a 
real kind of building block for me playing at 16 and kind of getting that comfort so I was able to get used to it in my second year. Nolan Meyer of the Saskatoon Blades, my guest here on the Pipeline Show in our 2019 Draft Spotlight. Uh, Nolan, what we do in this part of the show is uh, let my audience kind of get to know somebody that's in your position being draft eligible this year. And not everybody that's hearing this, the, the audience is across North America, so there'll be people out on the East Coast or in the States that uh, that don't follow the WHL as closely as we obviously do um, and might not know who you are. So let's get a bit of background, if you don't mind. Where are you from? I was born in Tacoma, Washington, mm-hmm. and uh, I uh, I moved out to Chesmere, Alberta. Don't know if you know where that is, but I lived there for nine years, and then ever since about well, ten, nine years old, I've been living in York, Saskatchewan. Okay, did you say Chestermere? Yep. Yeah, southern Alberta, right between uh, Edmonton and yep. Lethbridge. Okay, or not Edmonton, uh, Calgary and Lethbridge, between uh, those two cities. Yep, just outside of Calgary. Now, you were born in Tacoma, as you mentioned, because your dad was playing and uh, finished his pro career playing in Tacoma, correct? Yes, yes, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, now, he was a forward. Uh, you're a netminder. First off, how old were you when you first started playing? Are you, you, the classic story, it's like three, four years old? Yeah, yeah, I was uh, three years old when I first started playing. And so why a goaltender? Uh I honestly, if I'm being honest with you, I don't really know. I think uh, when I was younger, my dad kind of obviously wanted me to kind of be a player, and I started out that way. And then as we got into like novice team, everyone got a chance to be a goalie, and then mm-hmm. I kind of stepped right into it when it was my chance. And then ever since, I'd always have my dad shooting on me in the basement or the outdoor rink, and kind of just helped me improve that kind of way. So about five, six years old, maybe seven years old uh, in novice. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. First time being goalie is probably about probably seven or eight. Yeah, okay. Uh, I know when I talk to uh, other guys who are goaltenders, and they they say part of the attraction was to wear the gear, and and maybe it's because you're playing a team sport, but there's only one goalie on the ice, and you kind of get to be an an individual in a team setting like that. Uh, something similar for you? Uh yeah. I think the gear for any goalie you talk to is always kind of an attraction point, and I think I'm no different. I was always kind of intrigued by the position and the gear. So once I kind of found that, I stuck with it. Always curious why uh, players wear certain numbers. Uh, 73 is not a common number uh, for a goaltender or for anybody in hockey. Why 73? Uh, I picked 73 because it was my uh, mom's birth year. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. Uh, what about the mask? I, I know uh, a lot of goaltenders will like to customize their mask, and you do as well. Uh, wh- what's on your mask, and why did you pick it? Uh for my mask, it's a bunch of uh, kind of a Pac-Man. Yep. That's kind of the theme that's going with it. It's uh, It kind of incorporates with our jerseys. Yeah. They call our jerseys the Pac-Man jerseys and all that. So we kind of, me and my trainer kind of started brainstorming about ideas. And, yeah, I really like the idea of the, the Pac-Man. It kind of have the chorus and all the themes kind of put on it. And, like, I just kind of found in love with it and I just loved it. Now, will you be changing it from year to year, or do you stick with one and go with it? Uh, I will be getting a new master this year, and then I think you kind of stick with it for a year and a bit for our team. So I don't know exactly what's going to be on my mask just yet, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to stick with the same theme. Okay, perfect. Uh, Nolan Meyer of the Saskatoon Blades, my guest. Uh, Take me back to the Bantam draft, and uh, when I – chat with other players some of them get to stay home from school and other ones are at school but following along on their phone or whatever 
Uh, what was the uh, the Bantam draft like for you? Yeah, uh, well, for more background on me, my mom is a school teacher. Okay. So obviously she she forced me to go to school. <laughs> I wasn't able to stay home and kind of watch the whole process unfold. But yeah, I was in class and then I kept checking the draft so much that my teacher actually took my phone away. <laughs> so uh, I was in class. I think it was a math class, if I'm being honest. And then the class is over. I grab my phone. I walk out of the classroom and there's a whole bunch of people standing there congratulating me. And I was like, what's going on? I, I didn't know anything that happened. I didn't have my phone. I didn't know where I was. They just said congrats. And <laughs> I kind of checked out after they told me like, yeah, you're, you're drafted Saskatoon. And I was like, I was in, I was in shock because I haven't been checked. And I kind of forgot about it. I was in class. So that was a kind of cool story for me. Well, that's hilarious. That's great. Now, is your mom a teacher in the school that you were in? Uh, no, she's not. Okay. Well, no, she uh, works in elementary. All right, fair enough. Uh, now, second round pick, 25th overall, so just inside the second round. Um, did you have any expectations going into the banner draft of where you would have been taken, let alone which team would have actually taken you? Uh, no, not really. I think uh, yeah. at that age, I didn't really know where I was going to go or who was even going to take me. Yeah. I think I only had one questionnaire at the team that actually took me. So it was... Uh, I didn't really have any clue or any idea of where I was going to go, and I was fortunate to land in a place that I love, like Saskatoon. And close to, fairly close to home, too. Is that a bonus? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think it, uh, it helped my family a lot. Uh, Nolan Meyer, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, now, this is your, or this was uh, your second season. What was uh, your your first introduction to the, to the Western Hockey League like uh, in your rookie season? Uh, was it a big step up from uh, what you had been playing? Yeah, it was a huge step up. I think every other year, just the amount of games that you play is nowhere near like the Western Hockey League or the CHL in that matter. But I think uh, I didn't make the the team right off the bat coming out of camp. I was out sent home, played 10 or so games in the SJ mm-hmm. with the uh, hometown York and Terriers. And then I was fortunate enough to go represent my country at the U-17s. And then after that, I was called back up, and I stuck with Saskatoon for the rest of the year. Nice. Uh, and this season, boy, it started off really early for you, didn't it? Uh, way back in August, basically, at the Holinka Gretzky yeah. Cup here in Edmonton and uh, getting to play for Canada again. It wasn't the first time for you, but maybe uh, a bigger stage of being at the, the Holinka Gretzky Cup, and you know all the scouts are there. And uh, What was that experience like for you? Yeah, it was an amazing experience. I think being able to represent your country and being able to compete on home ice, that was the biggest thing. It was really cool to see all the support of our fans and in the Rogers Center. It was just, it was amazing. Uh, and interesting, the way uh, it, it kind of bookended the year for you. You played with Canada in August. You played with Canada in uh, late April as well at the World U18. And uh, I wonder how the two were different for you. Uh, I think just the pressure. I think everyone is coming to watch. There's a whole bunch of scouts, and it's on home ice, and you have such high expectations at the Helenka. I think once we, once I got over there in uh, Sweden, mm-hmm. I kind of felt more relaxed. I was able to find my game a little bit more and be more comfortable in the net, and I think that was a real big part of it. Well, and your numbers were better, actually, in Sweden at the World U18s than they were in the Helenka, not that they were bad uh, there either, but uh, having a 926 save percentage uh, at the World U18s, I have to assume you were pretty happy with the way you played. 
Yeah, yeah, I was happy with it. Obviously, it's not just about me. Our team didn't do as well as we wanted it, but sure. it was, that, that was disappointing. But personally, yeah, it was a good tournament for me. Uh, now, when it comes to the draft, has the, has the draft been on your mind much this season? I know most players will tell me they try not to think about it. Other guys say they 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 actually go and look at the rankings and see where they're they're slotted and use that as motivation. What about for you, Noel? Uh yes, I think it's a little bit of both for me. I think obviously, once rankings come out, you kind of use that to your advantage and try to get some extra motivation if you're ranked high, if you're ranked low, or mm-hmm. if you're not ranked at all, even. Yeah, kind of use that as motivation for you. But then, obviously, try not to think about it and try to get away from it as much as you can. But it's it's hard. It's always it's always right there in front of you. Well, it's a good year in the WHL uh, across the board, and a good year for goaltenders as well. There's six or seven or eight goalies uh, out of the WHL who uh, ended up on the final ranking for Central Scouting. You mentioned not being ranked though, and that was you in the midterms, not on the ranking at all. I was surprised by that. When you saw that, were you like, what the hell? What's what's going on? Well, how come I'm not getting ranked? Other guys are getting ranked, and I'm just as good as them? Or or how did you kind of view that? Uh, obviously, it's it not getting ranked, and I think I, I use that as motivation. But I didn't, I didn't dwell on it too much. I tried to forget about it and just play like I can. I, I can't control what what someone or a group of people think about me or where they have me ranked. They have their opinions and my job is just to prove them wrong and show that I can play. Now, for those who haven't had a chance to watch you play, and fortunately I'm on the broadcast crew for the Oil Kings uh, here in Edmonton, so I have seen you play. Uh, but for those uh, who are listening to this and, and haven't, uh, how would you describe yourself as a goaltender? Because goalies these days, everybody's a butterfly goaltender to some degree. But what what's maybe different about the way you play? Or what are your strengths, do you think? Uh, I think my, uh, my speed and athleticism. I try to use that a lot and kind of have my explosiveness and different kind of plays and scenarios. Now you're uh, listed at six foot, 173 pounds by Central Scouting. Uh, is that uh, still up to date and accurate? Yep. Yeah, that's, that's still the same. Okay. You, you know uh, where the next question's going. You're not six five or six six. You're not Mad <laughs> Sogard or something like that. Uh, and there are. I've talked to NHL teams who say they won't look at a goalie that's under six two or six three which is crazy to me. If you can stop the puck, you can stop the puck. But for you, not being 6'4 or 6'5, why is it uh, not a problem for you? Uh, again, what I said with the rankings and all that, I think I just use it as motivation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that, that I can play like I can, and if someone kind of doesn't look at me or doesn't think I can play because of my height, then that's, again, that's their opinion. I can't. I can't change that. That's something out of my control. Yeah. Obviously, I wish I was a little bit taller, but I can't do anything about it. So I just got to work extra hard and harder than everyone else so that people see that height doesn't matter with me. Well, you're 18 years old. Have you stopped growing taller? Uh, no, not really. I've kind of been slowly going up and up. So okay. I don't know how tall I'll eventually be or anything like that, but out of my control. All right. Well, you're already taller than your father was, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I am. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Well, last one uh, for you then. Uh, since you didn't get to the combine and you didn't get to answer all the, the weird questions and stuff like that, are, are, is there, uh, something that you want teams to know about you if, if, uh, they haven't, uh, done their homework on you yet? Is there something about you that you think, uh, 
is important for them to know? Yeah, I think uh, if a team decides to take a chance on me, like I won't prove them wrong. I'll I'll work my hardest for them, and I'll show them that they they made the right choice, and that I'll give everything to their organization and to them. Did you have a favorite team growing up? Uh, having bounced around a little bit, you spent some time in Southern Alberta. I don't know if that made you become a Flames fan or something, but did you have a favorite NHL team? Uh, no, not really. I think even when I was younger, I never really had. I had a team. I just liked a whole bunch of kind of players and kind of followed them. Right. Now, were they goaltenders, or were you always watching for favorite goaltenders, or just players in general? Uh, mostly goaltenders, yeah. So, who were those guys? Uh, right now, honestly, I like Perry Price, Pekka Rene, and then a guy that I really kind of watch and kind of see how he plays is uh, UC Soros on okay. Nashville. Yeah. Not not the biggest guy in the world a, either. Yeah. Yeah, not the big, not the biggest guy, and I think he can show that small guys can play in the NHL, and that's that's my dream, that's my goal. So I think if I'm able to kind of watch him and pick pick some stuff up off him and kind of see how he does things, it'll help me in the long run. Terrific, Nolan. Listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck, whatever happens at the draft, uh, and we'll see uh, when you, you and the Blades roll through Edmonton here next season. Yeah, thank you. That's Nolan Meyer of the Saskatoon Blades, who's got a pretty impressive resume. And again, it's it's a case of one of those goaltenders who's not 6'4". Uh, and uh, again, as I mentioned to him, I, I've been told by, well, one team in particular, an uh, NHL club that uh, I chatted with, somebody from the team who said basically they won't look at a goalie that's, that's under 6'3". And there's a lot of really good goaltenders, especially out of the WHL this year, who aren't. 6'2 or 6'3. There's a lot of them that are 6 foot or 6'1 and a couple that are 5'11 that I think are worthy of uh, consideration for the draft. So we'll have to wait and see. That's one of the things I'm really going to be interested about the 2019 draft is how many goaltenders are taken and if uh, goalies who I don't think are as good uh, but are taller than some of their uh, uh, shorter counterparts, if they get taken first. If height really is going to be that big of a determining factor for goalies this year. I I assume, I expect that it will be. Uh, I'm just not sure that I agree with it. But uh, that's Nolan Meyer. Well, uh, there's two or three other goaltenders in the draft that I want to get to before the uh, draft itself rolls around. But uh, Nolan Meyer, every time I've seen him play, he's been really, really good. And uh, one of the reasons Saskatoon was one of the uh, better teams in the WHL this season. Uh, up next on the show, uh, a player who uh, is maybe... Uh, consider him a later round uh, a gem potential, uh, a bit of a sleeper pick uh, because of injury. He only played just over 30 games. Dylan Hamilak of the Seattle Thunderbirds now with the Kelowna Rockets. You can hear from him and learn about him next here on the Pipeline Show. Left wing, the drop pass. Kendry into the offensive zone, top into the net in front for Madsen. What a save by Dustin Wolf. He stretched out with the glove. Makes a save and covers. Oh, my. 8.37 to go in the second. Hey, it's Dustin Wolf with the Everett Sober Tips, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Grabs it, walks in on the back end, shoots, and scores! 
These Spruce Grove Saints are excited to unveil their first ever hockey school. Taking place August 19th to 23rd right here at the Grant Fear Arena. Brought to you by Subway and Humpty's Restaurants of Spruce Grove. This one-week hockey school includes over 10 hours of on- and off-ice instruction from Saints coaching staff and current Saints players. Each camp participant will receive a camp jersey and a t-shirt to keep and have one on-ice and one off-ice session per day. Each day will have a specific focus to enhance the skating, shooting, and puck handling skills of each player. Both boys and girls of all levels of all experience are encouraged to come out and take part. To cap off the week, each group will have a Subway sub party with the Saints coaches up in the lounge. Visit www.sprucegrovesaints.ca to sign up for the Hockey School now. Click on the Hockey School tab on the right side of the page. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. You know, I hear the camera adds 10 pounds. Looks like you've eaten five cameras. We're back on the Pipeline Show. We're going to have another 2019 Draft Spotlight. In fact, this whole uh, entire uh, episode this week, 2019 Draft Spotlight segments. Uh, my next guest, uh, another WHL player, which means it's another In the Dub segment for dubnetwork.ca. Stay up to date on everything happening around the Western Hockey League, especially in the off season. Really handy to do that. All in one place, dubnetwork.ca. And my guest in this segment Dylan Hamilak of the Kelowna Rockets, which for me, Dylan, almost sounds funny to say because you haven't played for the Kelowna Rockets, and uh, I know you as a Seattle Thunderbird, but interesting uh, uh, trade here in the off season. Uh, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, now, you would have just got back from Buffalo, correct? Yeah, just well, got back uh, two days ago, so... What was that experience like for you, uh, getting to out to the NHL Combine? And maybe first off, were you surprised because you didn't uh, play a whole lot this year that you got the invite? Oh well, yeah, I was, I was definitely a little bit surprised going to that, but uh, I didn't do it. I wasn't able to do any of the fitness testing and that sort of thing. So I was there. I was uh, able to talk to most of the NHL teams. I had nineteen meetings. Mm. Yeah, I had nineteen meetings, and it was just nice to go there and. Uh, and meet like the the GMs and that sort of thing. So it was, it was a really cool experience. I know in years past, I've talked to players who have gone through the 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 NHL Combine and the the interviews. You know, you didn't do the fitness testing, so you didn't have to ride the bike and all that stuff. But yeah, uh, the interviews were sometimes challenging as well. You go into a a hotel room or whatever, and might be a Hall of Famer staring at you, or some other guys who like to grill you and press you to see how you're going to react. Anything weird like that happen for you? Uh, nothing too weird. It's just like, it's just like the first meeting is always the toughest. Mm. And my, my first meeting, I, I kind of got grilled a little bit, but, but after that, like they all went, they all went pretty smoothly. Well, I imagine, uh, the one question they all asked you was about the injury. And, and maybe since you've been able to talk about it here, uh, uh, in the last little bit, um, what can you describe for the audience, um, what the injury was and where are you at in your recovery? Uh, so it was just a full MCL tear off the bone, which is a six month recovery. And if it were to, to have teared a little bit higher than that, it only would have been six week recovery. So oh, just kind of an unfortunate circumstance there. And the surgeon said he only sees like two of these a year. So it's, it's kind of crazy, but, but like my rehab and stuff's been coming along really great. And 
and I'm excited to get back on the ice June 9th. So, so it's pretty, it's coming up pretty quick. Well, look at that. You already know when you're uh, going to skate again. Uh, now that happened right at the end, a game against uh, the Portland Winterhawks. Now, w- w- anything in particular about the, was it a, a collision or did you get crossed up in the neutral zone or something? How did it happen? Uh, yeah, it was a collision. So I passed the puck down low and then I like jumped to the middle to like get to the net and then the guy just stuck his knee out and, ah. and then I was, it just happened from that. One of those where you know right away it's not good? Well, I, I actually didn't know that I was completely torn. Like oh. I ended up going back to the bench and I was going to go for another shift and then I put put all my weight on it and then it just kind of buckled from there and then I, I knew something was was up. Yikes, doesn't sound good. Uh, Dylan Hamilak, uh, my guest uh, here on the Pipeline Show in the 2019 Draft Spotlight segment. Um, all right, well, let's look back at this season that was, I guess, just in the first three months, how things were going for you up to that point. Looks like, on paper, pretty good. 26 points in 31 games. Were you happy with the way things were going? Oh, yeah, I was I was pretty happy with the, the start of my season. I, I came out of the gates really hot, and I ended up slowing up a bit, but they had me... Seattle had me under concussion protocol for a week, and after that, I kind of slowed up a bit, and as soon as I started to find my game again, then, and this happened with my knee, so just unfortunate circumstances this year, like, if I didn't, if I wasn't under that protocol and was able to do everything again, like, I think I would have, I probably think I would have had more points, but, but other than that, I think I'm pretty happy with my season. All right. Well, for the uh, benefit of the audience that uh, uh, doesn't necessarily know who uh, who you are, and maybe doesn't get to, I didn't get to see the T Birds this year because you guys didn't come through Edmonton at all. Uh, for uh, for those listeners, uh, maybe let's start at the beginning and get some background on you. Um, I know where Leduc, Alberta is, but for the audience, maybe uh, where's Leduc? Uh, Leduc is well. I'm, I'd hope everybody knows where Edmonton is. So <laughs> it's just it's ten minutes south of Edmonton. It's pretty close and. Uh, we're, I'd say we're a decent sized city. Yep. Born and raised uh, in Leduc? Yep. Born right. and raised here. How old were you when you first started playing hockey? Uh, I was, I was three years old when I started to play. Okay. I've loved it ever since. Well, I have an older brother and I know when I was uh, young, anything he was doing, I wanted to do too, you know, follow him around and do what, try to copy the older brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, your older brother Dalton also went through the WHL. Was it something similar for you when you were a little? He was playing hockey, so you wanted to follow in his footsteps? Oh, 100%. Like, he ended up going the WHL route, and I I wanted to do the exact same, and I kind of just followed in his footsteps, and I kind of knew what to expect coming up through through my bad time midget years and going, going to the dub. And, yeah, I think he just helped me a lot, and I kind of just wanted to be like him and and he was in Moose Jaw this past year, and he played his 20-year-old year, and now he's he's going to the University of Alberta to go into mechanical engineering and play for the Golden Bears there. So nice. that's, that'll be cool for him. Well, he wanted to be like him, but not too much like him. He was a defenseman. You're a forward. Uh, why why did you settle on being up front? His, he has a different build than me. Like He's got almost a, a big defenseman build, and I'm I'm kind of a skinnier guy. So, so I... I don't know. I just always wanted to be a forward and I love to score goals. And I was always like pretty fast when I was younger. So, so it's kind of just built me to be a forward. And I, I don't know. I just love to score goals and be up front. 
Well, the sheet I'm looking at says six foot three and 190 pounds. So you certainly have the height and lots of room to, to fill out that frame still. Yeah. Uh, are, are those uh, numbers yeah. up to date or is that maybe a little bit out of date? Oh, uh, well, yeah, I'm like six, three and a half now and 195 still. But when I was 16, I was like five eleven, 150 pounds. Wow. Like when I got, when I got drafted, uh, in my Bantam year, I was, I was 150 pounds. So. That's pretty small. Oh, Matt, you know, that, that reminds me of Adam Lowry. He was the same way, and then uh, we saw him. By the time he was done in the dub, he was 6'5 and 210 or whatever. So uh, maybe something, yeah. something similar ahead for you, maybe. Hopefully. Uh, Dylan, uh, I want to ask you about uh, the Bantam draft itself. Uh, take me back to Bantam draft day and, and what that experience was like for you. I, I talked to players, and some of them were allowed to stay home from school that day, or other guys were at school but following it on their phones. and and uh, things like that. What was draft day like for you? Um, I was in English class actually when when I got a call. Well, actually, I didn't even I wasn't even like following up on it really. Like I didn't think I was gonna go in it. Really? So it was just kind of just kind of in in LA class, and and my my buddy actually texted me and he said, "Holy man, you're going to Seattle!" And I was like, "What?" <laughs> and then I looked and I got a call from from the GM and. And then I had a good talk with him, and I remember, well, my mom worked in the school, too, and then I remember going out of class and giving her a big hug and stuff, and, and yeah, it was, it was a pretty cool day. Well, that's awesome, but you didn't have any expectation that you would actually even be selected. That's funny. Oh uh, Yeah, and Seattle, like, Seattle didn't really talk to me before before the draft either, so it was kind of weird to see how they picked me, but but overall, it's it was a great great place for me so did you ever ask russ farwell the the gm there uh at the time um why they picked you then was it you know kind of uh based on well it's dalton i'm Alexa, little brother he's got to be good i honestly have no idea like i said <laughs> i was i was pretty small at the time um uh, i had av- probably average bantam points like i don't know i just wasn't i don't know just kind of cool to be selected by them like i wasn't really expecting it and then like when you first get drafted, it's like holy Seattle's like this really big city, and it's going to be awesome. And that's that's exactly what it was like. So, and it's out of the country, I and mean, that's got to be exciting too. Although some players, some guys might say that's a little bit uh, scary, almost to some degree, that you're moving that far away from home at a young age. What was it like for you? Um, it wasn't that hard. Like since Dalton was in Spokane too, so Dalton was yeah, Dalton was in Spokane, so. It was kind of easy for that. It was kind of easy transition, you could say. And like just from his experience, like it didn't seem too hard for him. So I was like, "Why should be too hard for me?" So I don't know. I just kind of went with the flow of things, and and yeah, it wasn't that hard. Well, this was uh, your second full season, or would have been your second full season. But you also had 17 games back uh, in the 2016-17 year as well. So as a uh, an underage player. Uh, how many times did you get to play against Dalton? Uh, I got to play against him probably f- four or five times, if you include preseason and stuff. And I, I imagine that's it's pretty easy to get up for those games, wouldn't it have been? <laughs> well, yeah, we always talked about it and always wanted to win against each other, and we were <laughs> we were pretty competitive. I remember me and him had like this pretty big battle in the corner, and then everybody was like talking about that on social media and stuff, and it was it was pretty cool. So. 
Well, disadvantage because you're the younger brother, and as you mentioned, he's got a big, uh, big stay-at-home uh, defenseman kind of body and frame. Uh, who won those one-on-one battles? That, uh, by the end of it, did you get a few uh, uh, past them, or you know, did you win a few of those battles? Oh, I, I definitely won a few. Definitely won a few. But Good. when we were younger, I can't say that I won too many. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me about the uh, not just the uh, the combine, but the draft in general, and how much of it has uh, you know has it been on your mind this season and maybe different for you because you've been injured. Were you almost concerned that because of the injury, it, it might hurt you, work against you? Um, I was, I was a little concerned about that, like right when I got injured, but now that I, that I see the way like my legs recovering and like that I'm going to be back to a hundred percent. Like I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. Like getting drafted, sure that it'll be awesome and stuff, but there's still so much more work to go and it's, it's not done just after draft day. So. There's still a ton of work to go, and like you can't just just because you're drafted doesn't mean that you're going to play for them like in the next year. Like you're going to have to continue to work and and go from there. Well, that's the right attitude for it to have. And hey, heck, with the banner draft, you didn't even think you were going to get drafted. And uh, for the NHL draft, <laughs> you're on the list. They don't have a number next to you because they didn't see uh, enough of you this year. But at least you you have that recognition of uh, that you you're on the radar. Put it that way. Um, now, did you have, mm-hmm. did you have a favorite team growing up? I know you're this close to Edmonton, uh, but the Oilers have uh, sucked for the last decade and a half. So I, I wouldn't blame you if you weren't an Oiler fan. But uh, who was your team growing up? <laughs> uh, my team growing up was definitely Washington Capitals. Oh, interesting. There's something come- about them, like, uh, well, I don't know. I grew up watching Ovechkin, and he was just my favorite player growing up. And I just love the Capitals ever since. Like I remember when, like three years ago, I remember them practicing here in the Duke, and I, I went there with my little kids' Capital jersey and got them all to sign it. So, so yeah, they're they were my favorite team. Uh, now tell me about. I got to ask you about the trade uh, to to uh, the Kelowna Rockets. Um, obviously, next year looks great for uh, for the Rockets because you're hosting the Memorial Cup, so you know you're going to be playing a lot of uh-huh. hockey next year. Um, when you were when you heard the news about the trade what was your uh, uh, initial reaction well i was kind of, i was really surprised at the start so i got the call like it was seven in the morning and bill bill told me that i got i got traded and and i was i was almost speechless i was like what like no way and and then it just surprised me because seattle said it was going to be a big really big part of their future and that sort of thing but but as soon as he said that I got traded to Kelowna, my first thought was, "Well, they're hosting Memorial Cup, so so this is going to be an awesome year." Yeah, like I'm gonna I'm gonna be playing a ton of hockey, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, initially, it's a shock, but uh, you soon get over it uh, when you see uh, what next year could be like. And the fact that you get traded with a couple of other guys from the team, and Jake Lee and Cole Schwebe, uh, it's nice to have a couple familiar faces uh, who'll be there with you too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll, it'll be really cool having Jake and. Uh, Schwabe's there. Schwabe's is actually from Kelowna, so ah. so he was he was probably pretty excited about that. And it's definitely a lot easier to go to not go by yourself. You're going with a couple teammates, so so it won't be bad. Well, for people who are listening to this right now and have never seen you play, we should get a, a bit of a scouting report from you. Uh, what kind of a player <laughs> is Dylan Hamilton? Uh I'm, I'm a big power forward. I love to hit. I'm. I'm in and around the net all the time. I can check the puck low. I, I score a lot of goals, uh, probably ten feet or ten feet away from the net, and 
I love getting those greasy goals and, and that sort of thing. And, and yeah, I'm just a, a tough guy to play against. Well, you had 52 penalty minutes in your, uh, your, your, what would have been your full rookie season a couple of years ago. 32 just this past uh, year in, in the 31 games. But, um, I, I don't know. Are we, should we be expecting you to be dropping the gloves a lot or is it more, uh, kind of roughing penalties that come through? Uh, how do you get your penalties? Um, definitely a lot of roughing and stuff. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll drop the gloves when, when, like, I don't know, when the time comes, but I don't know. I, I just don't think the game's totally about fighting and that yeah. sort of thing, but I'm, I'm still a heavy player and I, I, I hit a lot, so they'll, I think they'll be happy about that. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a, a player that, uh, a lot of people would like to have on their team for sure. Um, Dylan, well, listen, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, wish you the best of luck, whatever happens at the draft and, We'll see you uh, next year if the Kelowna Rockets uh, roll through Edmonton here to take on the Oil Kings. All right. Sounds good. Thank you very much. I have to say I'm really intrigued about uh, Dylan Hamilluck. Uh, his brother, uh, Dalton Hamilluck, big, strong uh, defenseman in the WHL for a lot of, for the last several years, uh, but haven't seen, uh, haven't really had a good chance to see Dylan Hamilluck play with my own eyes. Saw a little bit online and obviously uh, last year uh, the success that the the T-Birds had going deep into the playoffs like that. Saw him then, but interested to see what he would have been able to do this year in his draft season for a full year. Uh, his numbers, I mean, he was really playing pretty well to start the year and then just a uh, terrible uh, injury for him uh, and uh, out for all of uh, the second half of the season. That could be a, a great pickup. And that was a massive offseason trade for the Rockets and the T-Birds. Kelowna gave up a, a lot to get the guys, uh, but getting both uh, uh, Jake Lee and uh, and Hamilak as well as uh, Schwebius. It's a nice addition uh, there for the Rockets as they are getting set to host the 2020 Memorial Cup. All right, another 2019 draft spotlight uh, coming up next. Uh, his name is David Cope. He's a six foot five forward with the Edmonton Oil Kings. Really shot onto the scene last year, forcing his way onto the roster and. Uh, expectations were pretty high for him this year. I think maybe that got the better of him early on, but found his game in the second half of the season. Uh, learn more about David Cope next here on the Pipeline Show. I'm Trey Fitzwilanski of the Edmonton Oil Kings. At his own blue line now, Fitzwilanski cutting in right circle, dances around his man to his backhand, forehand, he scores! Oh my goodness, Trey Fitzwilanski! What a move, what a shot, what a goal. Oh, mama. And this is the Pipeline Show. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Just do it. 
Back on the Pipeline Show, another 2019 draft spotlight to get to, and it's another In the Dub segment, as my guest comes from the Western Hockey League. Uh, In the Dub is brought to you by dubnetwork.ca. For everything happening around the Western Hockey League, even in the offseason here, stay up to date by going to dubnetwork.ca and get your daily dose of the Western Hockey League. And my guest today, uh, coming from, uh, well, from my backyard with the Edmonton Oil Kings, it's uh, David Cope. Uh, welcome to the Pipeline Show, Dave. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for doing this uh, in the middle of the off season. I know it can be a, a bit of a hectic time, and maybe you want to pe- put your feet up uh, by the pool or, or something, but uh, what have you been doing since uh, the, the Oil Kings season came to an end? Oh, I've just been working out and skating and uh, getting ready for the draft, and uh, so if I get a show uh, invite to a camp, I'm ready to go. Nice. Uh, so did you take any time off, or did you just go right from playing in the playoffs and, and get back into the gym right away? Um, I took about two weeks off just to let the body recover and just enjoy some time off because it was a long, busy season. So our athletic therapist uh, advised that, and uh, so I just took two weeks off. Yeah, excellent. That would be what, Mr. Brian Cheeseman? Yeah. Excellent. Uh, all right. Tell me about this season, uh, and I know I get asked all the time, I'm on the broadcast team for the Oil Kings, uh, and I get asked if this was a surprise season uh, for the Oil Kings or not. And, and for, I guess for the most part, yeah, I mean, I don't think a lot of people were expecting Edmonton to, to finish uh, as Central Division champs and get as deep into the playoffs uh, as uh, as you guys did, at least if you were asked at the start of the year about that. But what about inside the room? What were your expectations at the start of the year for the team? Yeah, at the start of the year, like, we didn't know, like, coming in, there was a bunch of change and wasn't really sure what to expect. But, uh, when I met the guy and we practiced and had our first few preseason games, I knew we were a special group and, uh, we all believed it throughout the year and, uh, it clearly showed in playoffs. Uh, and what about for you this year, Dave? Cause, uh, last year, a pretty impressive rookie season, basically forced your way onto the team and had 25 points in your rookie year. This season, boy, great start, three points in the in opening weekend. And then things kind of uh, were a little bit slow for you in second half, much better than the first half, in my opinion. But um, how, how would you look when you look back at the season? How would you sort of describe it for you as a, an individual? Um, I'd say I I came out fast in the first two games, with three points or whatever. But uh, I kind of went to a bit of a slump that I struggled with. But once I got out of that, I just had to work hard, just work on what I needed to work on, skating, protecting the puck, shooting, and uh, eventually I kind of slid out of the slump, which was nice. When you reflect on it now, can you, can you put your finger on why the slump was there? I mean, was there pressure because it's your draft year and stuff like that? I, I don't know what it was. Um, that could have been a little bit. I think I just lost a little bit of confidence and it took a while to gain it back, but right. I'll just say that mostly. Well, a new coaching staff as well, and and obviously new teammates. But I, I remember the first couple months of the season, there was a lot of line juggling going on as as Coach Lauer was starting to try to find that chemistry. Does that come into effect yeah. there a bit, a bit as well, playing with different guys every night? Yeah, playing with different guys. It takes. It's, uh, I don't know how to say it. Uh, it's it's difficult sometimes just to get used to their where they're going to be at different times and everything like that, but. I think it was good for us to do that during the year because during playoff time, we knew exactly what lines worked and we knew exactly how to play with everybody on the team, which really helped out in the end. Right. So getting out of the slump, uh, what changed for you? What, you know, It's almost like a flick of the switch. You, you've been struggling and then suddenly you, know, you get on a bit of a roll. Um, I'd say confidence in the line mates I was with. I remember when I got out of my house playing this fight in the Scott Atkinson and they helped me lots. They gave me the puck. Let me, they gave it back to me. I could play off them and I ended up getting one goal, and then after that, the confidence just built and uh, started to catch fire a bit. Yeah, and uh, carried uh, through for the 
basically the rest of the, uh, the, the regular season, the second half. And in the playoffs, had five more points in, in 16 playoff games for the Oil Kings. That playoff, the, the, uh, the run through the playoffs, pretty exciting hockey, uh, from the outside looking in. And I imagine for the guys on the team, that was uh, pretty exciting as well. And uh, just the experience that you guys, uh, all got this year really bodes well for moving into next season, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, all the young guys that didn't have a, any, didn't have any playoff experience at all. We all got however many games, and now next year we know exactly what to expect going in, and uh, it'll be really exciting. David Cope is my guest. He's a forward with the Edmonton Oil Kings, and uh, what we like to do in this part of the show, Dave, is uh, let my audience kind of get to know somebody that's in your shoes, being uh, your draft season. Uh, and not everybody that's hearing this uh, will follow the WHL all that closely, so they might not know who you are. So let's get a bit of background. Yeah. Um, let's start with uh, where you're from. Where are you? Where were you born, and where'd you grow up? Uh, born and raised in Edmonton, Alberta. All right. And do you remember how old you were when you first started playing? I was three years old when I first skated, and I think four when I first started actually playing ice hockey. Uh, you're a forward now. Have you always been a forward? Yeah, I've always been a forward. I've always enjoyed being a forward. Some people always say my height I should be a D-man, but forward is the way to go for sure for me. Uh, heck, these days at six foot five, you might you, maybe you should be a goaltender. Do you ever uh, put the pads, yeah. when you were a kid? Did you ever put the pads on and play? That's funny that you asked. Actually, uh, when I was a first year novice, I actually played a year of goaltender, so that, that was fun. But I, it never stuck. So and how come? I don't know. Just just enjoyed uh, forward more for sure. Okay, uh, I know. I, I ask a lot of guys uh, to to go back and tell me uh, what the Bantam draft experience was like for them. You're an eighth uh, round pick by the Oil Kings that year. I don't know what your expectations were going into the Bantam draft, uh, where you would get uh, be selected, if you would be selected at all, which team would would take you. Uh, did you get to stay home from school that day, or were you trying to follow along with it on your phone at school? Um, I was at school when I saw it. I was in, uh, I think it was math class when I saw it, and it was kind of, I just kind of, it was kind of shocked me. I was like, I'm into Oil Kings, hometown team, just it was like a dream come true at the time. Well, and uh, see, that's funny because it, it can go one of two ways when I talk to players. Some guys love being taken by the hometown team because you get to play in front of your friends and family, and you probably get to stay at home and don't have to, yeah. you know, go live with uh, with strangers and all that. Other guys want that experience of going to play, you know, in Seattle or, or you know, in BC or whatever. Uh, for you, it was yeah. a, a bonus to play at home. Yeah, for sure. Just a plus is just obviously playing at uh, Rogers. Like that's probably the best CHL facility for sure. One of the best ice hockey rinks in the world. Sure. And living at home, building at home, there's nothing better. Uh, your rookie season uh, mentioned 25 points, 14 goals that year. You had 14 goals again this season and and 28 points. What was the biggest difference between year one and year two for you? I think I gained a lot of strength in between the years for puck protection and uh, just keeping the puck, uh, just protecting the puck down low in corners, going around D-man wide. Just gained a bit of uh, uh, strength and speed, which helped out, I think, a bit. Well, the uh, the WHL website lists you at six foot four and a half and one hundred and sixty-seven pounds. Uh, another website I'm looking at, Elite Prospects, has you at six five and and uh, one hundred and sixty-five pounds. Uh, where are you at right now? Um, I'm actually six four, one seventy eight right now. One seventy eight. So, uh, is that weight you put on over the course of the season or since the season ended? Uh, throughout the season, I've been putting it on, and then I've add, also added a little bit of weight uh, since the end of the season. Okay. As you bulk up over the course of the season, do you do you feel a difference on the ice? Does it allow you to do things that maybe you couldn't have done two months earlier? Uh, yeah, you definitely feel a little bit stronger. It's like one getting that you feel like you can take it more, especially when you work out. You got more muscle on you. So you feel just you just feel way stronger in all aspects of the game, right? 
now the NHL draft, we mentioned it is uh, your draft year this season. Has the the NHL draft been on your mind much over the course of the year? Uh, yeah, it's obviously in the back of the head, just something to think about. But I just got to worry about what I can, can control. And uh, I think I did a pretty good job. And I'm just excited to see what happens. And if I do not get drafted, hopefully just get a camp invite, and that would be amazing. A number of Oil Kings uh, who are uh, draft eligible this year. Was it a topic of discussion at all between uh, you and, and some of the other guys that are you know, being uh, ranked and, and uh, could be uh, selected at the end of this month? Uh, it comes up uh, every once in a while. It's not something we, we talk about too much or uh, think about too much. Uh, I know we have, it's exciting having lots of guys on the team uh, that are draft eligible and have a chance of getting selected, but I'm sure we're just all excited and waiting for the day to come. Now, uh, when the rankings come out, are you a guy who looks to see where you're uh, slotted in? I usually get tagged on Twitter, so I eventually <laughs> see, but it's not, it's not the biggest uh, deal to me, but... But yeah. Well, Central Scouting midterm rank 159, uh, and that's got to, I imagine at that time it was, it felt pretty good. I mean, midway through the season, you had gone through that slump already, so I hadn't uh, yeah. caught fire yet. Now, at the end of the year, 202, they have you ranked. I'm surprised by that. Um, what was your feeling about that? Um, uh, it, it doesn't really bother me at all. Scouts must, uh, it's, I believe it's just like a list formed by a bunch of different people. So some people can have you higher, some people can have you lower. It just doesn't really matter. All right, well, it's the right attitude to have for sure. Have you spoken to teams at all over the course of the year? I, I know some players do have the opportunity to, to chat with NHL teams. or uh, You obviously didn't go to the Combine, so have you had any contact with clubs? Uh, I have had some uh, contact with uh, some NHL teams, just just through like, some lunches and some meetings and just after games talking to a few. Oh, that's nice. Uh, for those who haven't had a chance to watch you play, and like I said, I'm on the broadcast, so I get to see you a lot, but uh, for those who haven't seen you play or the Oil Kings play, give us a scouting report on, on David Cope and, and what kind of player you are. Uh, I'd say I'm a big, uh, t- tall, uh, fast skating, good puck moving. I uh, see the ice well. I can uh, I have a good shot and have the ability to bury the puck when I need to. Is there an area of your game you think needs the most attention? Uh, I just think gaining muscle and getting getting stronger is still huge for me. Just growing into my body a bit, uh, putting on some weight, and I think that'd be huge to work on in the off season so next year I can come back even better. Well, you certainly have the frame to add uh, more uh, weight. Is that uh, do you have uh, family relatives that are like uh, close to your height and, and that are older and maybe bigger and thicker? My uh, papa actually was a uh, he's a pretty tall guy, a little little skinnier body frame, but uh, mm. but yeah, I think that's where I got my height from. All right. Well, is it a challenge for you to put on weight, or I mean, you, you said you put on some over the course of the season. That can be difficult to do. Um, yeah, it's something that feels like it's still on and off. But I'm consistently gaining weight, which is a good, uh, which is good. So hopefully this trend continues, and I can just keep gaining weight. Just a couple more questions for David Cope of the Edmonton Oil Kings here on the Pipeline Show. The uh, the coaching change this year. Uh, it seemed like the team uh, made a fairly quick adjustment uh, to new new coaching staff. What was that transition like for the players? Because it didn't seem like you guys, it's not like you guys struggled. I mean, Calgary got off to a slow start this year under Hammy, uh, but they finished the year strong. You guys didn't seem to have that lull. It seemed to be fairly consistent for most of the year. Yeah, I know we were all willing to commit to the new systems and the new the new changes that happened and uh, the systems that Brad brought in and how he uh, coached us and what he what he taught us before the season just gave us a boost into the season to start 5-0. and And after that, we had a little slump, but we kept it up after that. Well, next season uh, will be your third year in the WHL, and suddenly you go from a young player to one of the more experienced veteran-type guys. Are you ready to take on a bit more of a leadership role? Yeah, I'd say I'm ready to take on a leadership role. Just 
I know the younger guys coming in might be a little nervous for him, just helping them come in. And also on the ice, I just need to pick up, pick up my play and be a bigger, bigger, be a bigger part because we lose a lot of goals from offensive players such as Trey, uh, Vince, Lasavia, Lasciavo, Benjafield. So I know they're going to need an, uh, some backup uh, points and goals. So some of the younger guys need to do that, and hopefully I can pitch in. When you bro first broke into the league. Was there a guy that, uh, you know, a veteran player, maybe one or two guys that kind of helped you along the way that you, you looked to and said, I got to do that for, uh, for the young guys when I am, you know, the, the 18 or 19 year old? Yeah. Last year when my rookie season, I've always known Trey, but he, he was always there and he just kind of uh, helped me out if ever I needed a thing, I had a question or something. He'd always, always be there, be the first guy to help me out, which was really nice. And the 20 year olds that we had were spectacular. Sue Stoll, Travis Child, Colton Keller, they were always great. Right. We're great leaders. Nice. Well, David, I really appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck, whatever happens at the draft or doesn't happen at the draft. And if you get an invite to a, a camp after that, uh, whatever happens this summer, we'll, uh, we'll see you in August when camp opens again for the Oil Kings. Great. Thanks for having me on the show. There's big David Cope of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, kind of a tale of two seasons for, for him. First half of the year, uh, not very good. Second half of the year, Pretty darn good. At times, he was really good, and that you just saw the potential that he has. And I think there will be teams the way he skates and the size, and he's got pretty good hands. If you could put it all together and get find some consistency, it's a really good player in there. Uh, it's going to take a team maybe with some patience, but uh, that can really develop uh, players as well. Uh, David Cope could be a good late round pick. One more segment to go on the show, but it's a big one. Uh, Pete Krupski is the uh, voice of the U.S. National Development Team. So many players from the U18 squad are draft eligible uh, this year that are expected to go in the first round. Like There could be seven, maybe even eight players from that one team go in the first round this year, which is unbelievable. And quite honestly, uh, probably six of them might go in the top 15 which is absolutely mind-boggling. And uh, Pete and I talk about some of the individual players and the, the achievements they have uh, over their two years with the program are ridiculous. So you're really going to enjoy this segment. It's a long one. It's about 25, 26-minute uh, long interview. Uh, so grab yourself a beverage, uh, ease into a, a nice cozy chair, and uh, get comfortable. Uh, Pete Krupski, voice of the uh, U.S. National Development Team, he's up next here on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. McCarthy trying to get it out of his own zone. Picks it up again behind the USA goal. This time a safe play and he finds Turcotte. With Gildon, shorthanded and over the line. Turcotte, out in front, score! What a move! Alex Turcotte, a shorthanded goal. It's Alex Turcotte from Team USA and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Talent, development, NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Ben Bishop. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Andy Green. And Ryan Miller were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world!
You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. You don't scare me. I got chunks of guys like you in my stool. We're back on The Pipeline Show. We're going to end uh, this week's episode uh, by heading uh, south of the border to uh, Plymouth, Michigan, and a uh, good friend of The Pipeline Show, uh, Pete Krupski, the uh, voice, longtime voice, uh, broadcast voice of junior hockey, and now uh, he's been with the uh, U.S. National Development Team for... Geez, Pete, tell me, how long have you been calling the games now for Team USA? I never left my cubicle from one team to another, <laughs> and I started in 2015, so uh, technically I guess I'm starting my fifth year with uh, the National Team Development Program, and it's been a lot of fun. Well, and uh, of course you've been uh, a guest on the Pipeline Show for, well, geez, almost since the, the Pipeline Show existed, I think, back in 2006. Back then you were calling games for the Plymouth Whalers. I, I believe it was Plymouth uh, when we first had you on. Uh, was there another team that you called g- games for before that? Uh, I actually started in high school hockey in the mid-80s, and I moved to the University of Michigan at Dearborn. Mm. And then uh, in 1990, um, Peter Carmanos was awarded a, an OHL franchise, which started in Detroit and ended in Plymouth. And in 2015, uh, I, uh, the, the Whalers were sold, moved to Flint. And as I said before, I never left my cubicle. I moved from one team to another, and... Uh, it's been a real nice page turner for me to work uh, for the national program here, the national team development program. A lot of good people here, a lot of kindred spirits, and uh, obviously a lot of talent uh, off the ice and on the ice. It's been great. A lot of talent on the ice, and uh, we've heard it said that this, there's something special about this year's team. Uh, and statistically speaking, man, it's mind-blowing comparing this year's club to some of the teams and some of the big-name players uh, who have come through the program uh, during their tenure and just how statistically, I mean, Jack Hughes and Cole Caulfield, their stats this year just are blowing people out of the water uh, compared to guys who had played in the program before. What makes this year's team that much better than every other uh, U18 squad we've seen before that? Well, they, they tend to play at a faster pace than most. They, uh, they always have the puck. Uh, obviously, they have skill. I think a lot of it has to do with the coaching. Uh, I think head coach John Robleski and uh, the the associate coach Dan Hynote, along with the interim head coach, the interim uh, the intern coach uh, Kevin Lind, have all done a fabulous job. Our goaltending coach Thomas Spear. So it's been a real, uh, real uh, good marriage uh, between coaching and uh, the players executing on the ice. And uh, perhaps what's forgotten about is. Uh, all of these NTDP U18 guys just love to play. They love to be at the rink. They burn to improve every day, and um, and they do that. So it's been kind of – I won't say it's one thing or another. It's a combination of about five or six things that makes this team so dominant. I've got some stats for you here. This is a team that went 90-33-2 in its two-year term for a 740 winning percentage. They are the highest-scoring the highest scoring age group in NTDP history with uh, 679 goals, and that eclipsed the 97 team, which had guys like Austin Matthews and, and others. Uh, Austin Matthews among, um, let's see, I've got the list here, Luke Cunnan, uh, Troy Terry, Tage Thompson, Matthew Kachuk, Colin White, Charlie McAvoy, a lot of guys that are in the NHL now. So yeah. this group was was dominant. One Stat I like to talk about is how well he did against college teams this year. This is a team that won at Notre Dame, won at Michigan, won at Harvard, won at Dartmouth, won at St. Cloud State, uh, won at Wisconsin, and won at Minnesota Duluth. You know, it's hard to go into those uh, yeah. college rinks and win uh, for for 
team as talented as uh, the NTDP. I mean, they're usually younger by two or three years, and sometimes more than that. But this team more than held their own against the college teams. They went 10-6-1 overall, and I believe that's close to a, another NTDP record for, for an age group. Uh, but they're just, they, they just have a ton of talent. Uh, they love being at the rink. They love to play for one another. I think that's another uh, uh, intangible that people overlook. And uh, for me as a broadcaster, uh, you know, as excellent as they were on the ice, I tried to match that with my calls and the fact that so many uh, members of the extended family were watching and listening, and, and frankly, a lot of NHL people were watching and listening too. So um, it's been a terrific two years. And this team has definitely set a lot of records uh, that it's going to be hard for for upcoming groups to try to match or break. Uh, uh, Just a terrific uh, group all around. When you're mentioning uh, all the teams, the college teams they beat, uh, I mean, some of those, St. Cloud was the number one ranked team more often than not this year. They beat them in at uh, St. Cloud and and, uh, they beat Duluth in Duluth, national champions, two-time defending national champions now. So pretty impressive for sure. At the at the time, Notre Dame in October was listed in the top two or three. Same with Michigan; uh, they were listed in top five. And uh, I was at Notre Dame on on October the seventh. The U18s dominated that game, winning four to one. It could have been more than four to one. They went right into Michigan uh, the following weekend and beat Michigan six to three. Michigan at the time was in the top five. Um, and the, the thing that might be overlooked by a lot of people. Most of these guys are committed to college, so when they go to the college campus to play at places like Michigan or Notre Dame or Boston University, they really get up for these games, and uh, they want to put on a good showing, and uh, this 2001 age group certainly did that this year. All right, well, let's talk about some of those individuals, and we probably should start with uh, the guy who uh, led the team uh, in scoring this year uh, and, and is expected to go first overall in the NHL draft in Jack Hughes, and uh, his numbers while at the program, ridiculous. 228 points in 110 games, uh, and this year he had 112 points, 34 of which were goals in 50 games. And this is bearing in mind that he wasn't always 100%. I mean, he battled some injuries and maybe some illness along the way this year, too. Pretty remarkable. Well, yeah, he did battle an injury midseason, but the thing about Jack Hughes, you know, you, you look at his talent on the ice, I think it's often overlooked his work ethic off the ice and the fact that he burns to be a premier player, not just at the NTDP level or at the college level. I mean, he's dead set about playing in the NHL next year, and I would not be surprised to, to see him maybe after a little bit of an adjustment to play very, very well uh, in, in the National Hockey League. Uh, the thing that uh, – Head coach John Robleski likes to talk about are the number of scoring chances that Hughes generates when he's on the ice. You know, there there was a game last year where he got he got stripped of the puck uh, on a forecheck and, and a guy went in and scored. And that's something I it's probably the only time I've ever seen that in two years where where a guy took it off Hughes and went in and scored. But the the scoring chances he generates uh, on a on a shift to shift basis on a game to game basis uh, on a on, all the time is just uh, staggering. So wherever he goes in the NHL, uh, the defenders are going to have to be aware of him. They might stop him the first time. They might stop him the second time. I don't think they're going to stop him the third time. Uh, and there's, you know, talk about him being too small. Uh, I think he, well, he's working on that right now as we speak. He's uh, he, he's uh, working as hard away from the rink and in the training room as he does on the ice. Uh, uh, he's just been a fun guy to watch, and, and 
you know, you, you mentioned a leading scorer. He also leads the team in media obligations, and uh, <laughs> he's done that rather well, too. <laughs> yes, of course. I haven't had, been able to get him on the show yet, but fingers crossed. A couple other guys uh, still to get on my uh, to-do list as well. Uh, just going back to his stats for a second, that 228-point uh, total over the last couple of years is so impressive, and especially when you compare it to, I mean, Clayton Keller's number two on the all-time list. He's got almost 40 points more than the next guy. That it, it's just it's staggering to me how a guy can be that much better uh, than some really really good players who have come before him. Well, Guy, as I said before, he just generates so many scoring opportunities, and not just for himself. It's for the other four guys on the ice, and uh, he's just a threat every time he's out on the ice. You know, and again, he's got detractors. He's too small. Well, he's working on that. Mm-hmm. Some will say he doesn't wear uh, he doesn't win enough faceoffs. He's working on that. Some are saying, well, his shot isn't very much. I've seen him work uh, for an hour after practice working strictly on his shot or even before practice. So uh, whatever flaws he has, and there are very few, he's going to work to correct those. And, and that's the, the one thing I think separates him from from maybe a lot of players is the fact that he'll put in the time, he'll put in double the time if he has to to improve. But, uh, uh, you know, He's going to go first overall. I don't think there's any question, in my opinion. And uh, whoever drafts him is going to be a, a fine player, going to get a fine player, and uh, he's going to be a, an excellent uh, representative, uh, first himself and his family, but then of uh, whichever NHL team gets him. Uh, now the next guy to chat about is Cole Caulfield, who, and again, another mind-blowing statistical season for him, 126 goals now uh, in his career with the program. Next closest guy is Austin Matthews of 79. Sure, Caulfield's played, what, 19 games more, but, uh, I mean, there's a long list of players. Nobody's cracked 80, and Caulfield is sitting there with 126. Again, that's mind-blowing. Well, I mean, if you saw him play every every game and, and saw the way he shoots, and, and if you saw his passion for scoring goals, uh, you know, it, it's kind of funny. Our games are produced by the Schoolcraft College Sports Network, and, uh, our technical group put microphones behind each net, and you can always tell when Cole Caulfield scores because usually there's a scream afterwards. And uh, he just loves to score goals. He works on his shot all the time. We've got a shooting room uh, downstairs in the training center. He's he's down there every day probably for an hour shooting pucks. Uh, so he's got an outstanding shot, uh, an accurate shot, a powerful shot. What's overlooked about Caulfield is his all-around game. I mean, he could run a power play for a team in the future. Um, head coach John Robleski always, always seems to talk a lot about the fact in a one-goal hockey game with uh, his team uh, looking to defend, uh, he can put Cole Caulfield out there, and Caulfield will do a good job. Um, he, he's he's very, very intelligent uh, in all areas of the ice. And, and you know, there there were times where, Hughes and Caulfield were a penalty-killing duo out there. Think about that. <laughs> That's pretty powerful. <laughs> That's crazy to think of. One of the things, uh, Pete Krupski is the voice of the, uh, the U.S. National Development Program. He's my guest here on the Pipeline Show uh, chatting about just the dominance of that uh, that team this year and, well, the last couple of years uh, for that group of kids. Uh, Pete, you always send me uh, play-by-play clips and stuff like that and, and videos. And one you sent me of uh, Cole Caulfield, I mean, he's scoring from the corner. I mean, his bum is almost touching the boards, and he throws the puck on net and scores. This is a guy who seems to be dangerous wherever he is on the ice. Let me ask you, is there anyone else in this draft class that can score a goal like that? Now, when I broadcast games, Guy, I like to be surprised. That that goal, 
more than surprised. That blew my mind for a few seconds. I had to compose myself because I've never seen a goal like that. And, and again, he was beyond the goal line, like you say. His his back was to the uh, the boards in the far corner, and he uh, looked like he almost banked it off the head of uh, Maxim Zukov. But I've never seen a goal like that in in 30 years of broadcasting, and uh, that's one of my favorite clips of the year. Obviously, yeah, that's crazy. And again, you look at his scoring prowess this year compared to the compared to the rest of the draft class. And Arthur Kaliev had a terrific season in the OHL with the Hamilton Bulldogs. He had 51 goals, and, and uh, another player out of the OHL and. Kitchener, Jonathan Yancey said, 50 goals. Those are great seasons. Caulfield had 72 goals. He's just that much better than everybody else. It's uh, it's ridiculous when it comes to goal scoring. Well, here's a stat for you. I'm pulling it up now. Uh, you know, again, uh, the U18s play uh, a lot of college teams, a lot of Division One college teams. And, again, the knock on Caulfield by some people is his size, right? Sure, sure. 17 college games to Cole Caulfield, 14 goals, Five assists, 19 points, and a staggering for me, 77 shots on goal in 17 games. So if if he's going up against bigger, stronger guys and, and six foot two D, uh, I think he'll he'll figure out a way to get his shots. He'll figure out a way to score. Uh, I've seen him for two years at this level. It's going to continue at Wisconsin. It's going to continue in the National Hockey League. Uh, really impressive for sure. Uh, all right, lots of other guys we can chat about. Uh, tell me about Trevor Zegris and and uh, maybe I mean you get, almost kind of get overshadowed because of some of the other guys on the team. But this is another guy who should go in the top ten. Trevor Zegris is uh, ex- how can I say it? He's almost like a mad scientist out there with his creativity, and in some ways he's as creative or more creative than Jack Hughes. Uh, he's just an outstanding passer. Uh, he has grown physically in the last two years where he is very competitive on the puck, very tenacious on the puck. Uh, he helped uh, run a very good power play that was running around 30%. Uh, he is able to work with Hughes and Caulfield. That was a line for a time uh, for John Robleski last year. Just a dynamic player. Uh, Robleski likes to talk about his half-court game his ha- from, from the uh, – Red line in, he's as dangerous as anyone. He can break down defensemen, uh, and he certainly has the passing skills to make uh, any forward look really, really good. But uh, if Zegra's sitting there at 10 for um, Vancouver or a little bit earlier for Edmonton, uh, they're going to get a, an outstanding player in Trevor Zegras. Could be another guy in Matthew Boldy who's available right around those uh, spots as well. And I, I've had Matt on the show and uh, really enjoyed the conversation with him. And, uh, what stands out a little bit compared to the rest of the forwards is he's a big guy. He's, he's what, 6'2 and a bit and, and over 200 pounds. Maybe that helps him at the next level. And this is a, this is a guy who plays that power forward role, correct? That's correct. Uh, and of, of all the uh, U18s in his age group, I think Boldy has probably grown physically the most over two years. And, you know, his dad's six foot two, six foot three. So maybe it was a combination of, uh, his workout. His work ethic uh, away from the rink and uh, just growing into his body a little bit. But he's used his size to his advantage. Uh, he's got a heavy shot. If, if you need somebody to, to dish the puck uh, to somebody else to distribute it, he can do that. But he can score uh, as well as as well as just about anybody but Caulfield. And uh, I would put him up there with Caulfield in terms of scoring goals. He can do just about anything for you. He can kill penalties. He can work well on a power play. He can probably work on a third or fourth line to start in the NHL, 
but he won't be there very long. He's just a well-rounded, skillful player, and again, if he's sitting there 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th, somebody's going to get a really, really good player, and um, and Matthew Bold, a well-rounded player for sure. Well, my team's the Flyers. They're picking 11th, so if uh, he happened to be there, I, I wouldn't be disappointed in that at all. Uh, Alex Turcott won't be there when uh, the number 11 pick comes around, that's for sure. Uh, he's 37 uh, games this year, still had 62 points, almost a goal per game with 27 goals this year. Uh, a guy that uh, maybe didn't uh, get to play as much as you'd want to in your draft year, but certainly the scouts know what he's all about. Well, he was hurt for a time, and he contracted a mononucleosis in another part of the year. But when he was healthy and rolling, uh, he was in, in his own way, uh, Guy, as dominant as Hughes, and uh, especially in USHL competition. You would judge. Uh, and again, if Hughes is more east and west and more finesse, uh, Turcotte will just run you right over and go right to the rack and, and either uh, dish it off for, for a scoring chance or score it himself. Uh, just a well-rounded player. He wins his fair, his, his fair share of draws. You can put him in a penalty-killing situation. He won't hurt you, probably help you. Uh, you can put him in any situation. So if he's sitting a third overall and Chicago's there, I think that's a perfect fit because Turcotte comes from Chicago uh, and – the Hawks, although they're on a bit of a rise right now, they need as many good players as they can get. I think Turcotte would fit that bill really, really well. Uh, and the Blackhawks uh, like college guys, and uh, Turcotte headed to uh, Wisconsin, I believe. So is uh, Cole Caulfield, right? And Owen Lindmark, and um, so Tony Granato's done a nice job recruiting. All right. A uh, couple of defensemen I wanted to ask you about, Cam York, uh, as well as Alex Vlasic. I- I've had uh, people tell me, scouts, I mean, very different players, I've had some uh, scouts tell me Vlasic, uh, although he doesn't have the offensive upside, maybe that uh, that York does, might be the better overall uh, pro defenseman. Um, can you maybe contrast uh, Cam York and, and Alex Vlasic? Tell us a bit about both. Cam York is uh, comes from Anaheim Hills, California. Kind of patterns his game after Cam Fowler. Yeah. So, I mean, he's not going to run guys through the wall. But he, this is a guy who really came on offensively, I think, from November on. He's the kind of guy who's got a low panic threshold out there. You can put him in any defensive situation, probably block a shot, probably eat a puck, and then what he'll do is uh, he'll knock the puck down, first uh, good pass out of the zone, maybe he'll lead a line rush and uh, into the offensive zone and either dish it off or score himself. So he's really come on uh, offensively. A quick funny story, in the middle of January, um, the U18s were hosting um, – Youngstown, and a scout that I've known for 30 years uh, came up to me and said, what's going on with this York guy? He's only got three goals, Krupp. Come on. You know, he's supposed to be an offensive player. I said, well, yeah, I mean, he's got, you know, he's kind of a, a puck distributor. I, I, said, I think he'll be all right. So that night against Youngstown, he scored three goals and four assists, a seven-point night. And so about a month later, I saw the same scout. I said, hey, what do you think now? He said, well, I put in my report for that night that uh, York isn't going to score seven points every night, but uh, he's changed my mind around. He's pretty good. Now, Alex Vlasic is a little bit different. He got very little special teams play time, especially on the power play. Uh, he's about six foot six, six foot seven. He's, uh, he's got a relation in the National Hockey League, uh, Mark Edward Vlasic. Yep. He's got a sister. That uh, was the captain of the Yale University women's team um, this year. So there was a lot of chirping uh, going back and forth between brother and sister. He's the kind of guy you might get a half a stride around him uh, to the outside, but he's always going to shut you down. 
and that was the one really impressive thing for me about Alex Vlasic. His 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 uh, wingspan and his length, uh, you just don't get around him. Right now, he's a, he's an excellent shutdown defenseman. He skates better than people give him credit for. I saw him score a shorthanded goal last year in Chicago, which gave us uh, the NTDP its first ever playoff uh, series win, a shorthanded goal in overtime in Chicago, an outstanding individual effort. And he kidded me after. He said, you didn't think I could do that, uh, um, did you? And I, I said, I, I was a little surprised, but having seen you play, I wasn't that surprised. It was an outstanding play. So I think in time, there will be more offense to his game, but right now everybody looks at his size and looks at his length and looks how he can shut down um, the opposition uh, offensive players. Uh, somebody's going to get a really, really good player in a couple of years in Alex Vlasic. Pete, uh, two more questions for you before I let you go. I have to ask you about Spencer Knight. Uh, you've been uh, covering junior hockey for a long time, whether it's the OHL or, or here with the uh, the program. Uh, there's some, there seems to be something special about Spencer Knight. We don't see goalies taken in the first round all that often, but almost seems like a lock this year. It sure seems like it. Uh, the thing about Spencer Knight, if you watch him play a lot, it looks like uh, nothing spectacular is going on there because he tries to play under control. He tries to have a calm presence out there, and I think that rubs off on the rest of his team. But he's a freak uh, athletic, and you saw that in the in the combine. He, he did a lot of great things in the combine that raised a few eyebrows. Um, he's he you know he. he He's played in international competition now going on two years. He's played in the IIHF World U18s, which is the highest stage at this age group, and has played well. Uh, he's not won a gold medal there, but he has competed well. Somebody is going to get uh, a real good player. I agree. Goaltenders usually aren't taken in the first round, but I think Knight is uh, is worthy of that. And, uh, you know, he, he's worth watching and in two or three years. It might add statistically – he is the winningest goaltender in NTDP history with 58, and that's uh, that beats guys like Rick DiPietro and Jack Campbell and uh, Dylan St. Cyr and, and some other pretty good goaltenders. So whoever drafts him is going to get a winner, that's for sure. Lastly, Pete, who's the guy who doesn't get enough attention, that deserves more recognition than, than he's gotten this year? Ooh. Um, well, I'll tell you the ones the scouts are, are intrigued with. Well, there's two. But I'll tell you about the one that the scouts are intrigued with. And that's John Beecher. He's ranked 49th. He's a tall, lanky, uh, left-handed shot, growing into his body, skates like the wind. Uh, when five U-17s were brought up to the U-18s in 2017-18, uh, Beecher really helped carry his team uh, offensively. So, Right now, he's a, he's an excellent faceoff man. The scouts say, "Well, crap! What do you think? Is he a, is he a, is he a wing or is he a centerman?" Well, he wins a lot of faceoffs. He's probably our second best faceoff man. He kills penalties really well. I think in time when he goes to Michigan, he'll be figuring out the offensive end. So for for me, John Beecher is the one that the scouts are intrigued with because they can't quite figure out if he's a, a wing or a centerman. Okay. Probably uh, one of the most underrated guys is ranked seventy seventh. He's a Case McCarthy, a right-handed defenseman out of the Buffalo area. Um, he was like plus 39 in one year, plus 30 in another year. Just a steady, stay-at-home defenseman. He's going to wear an A eventually in college hockey, and I wouldn't be surprised if he was wearing an A or a C uh, in the NHL. Uh, just a dependable, steady, 
stay-at-home defenseman that can uh, join the offensive rush if, if he has to. But uh, I think uh, in time, somebody's going to get a really good NHL player there, a guy that might be able to play 10 or 12 years in the NHL. But Case McCarthy is worth watching. The other thing about Case McCarthy, uh, he lived with Ryan Martin and his family in Northville, Michigan. Uh, Ryan Martin is the assistant general manager of the Detroit Red Wings. Now, I asked Case more than once, do you guys ever like talk hockey? Do you ever criticize the Red Wings power play or and, and he just laughed he said no we, we rarely talk hockey but uh but Case McCarthy is is somebody worth watching excellent I know Patrick Moynihan was the guy that I think a lot of the players uh, singled out at the combine when they were asked a similar question but uh, so I was well, that, that that is another one and uh, the associate coach uh, Dan Hynote calls uh, Monahan sneaky uh, skilled Sometimes he's not so sneaky. Sometimes he's just outright skilled. And, uh, again, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he was a guy uh, over the last two years you could plug him in uh, with any center at any time, and he would be productive. Now, this is a guy, you know, speaking of Moynihan, I mean, he had 46 points this year, but only two were on the power play. So he didn't get a whole lot of power play time, was still very, very productive and a very skilled player. And, uh, you know, one shift he might work uh, with Jack Hughes. The next time he might be, the next shift he might go out with Alex Turcott or Trevor Zegers. He was always a threat out there. And, uh, again, uh, you know, he might not be a first-round pick or first overall pick, but he's ranked 73rd. Somebody's going to get a good player that's going to grow and develop in college hockey for a year or two, and they'll have a real uh, real good player in Patrick Moynihan. Yeah, going to a good school at Providence and good coach in Nate Lehman, so uh, one to watch for sure. Pete, you're the best. Always appreciate when you make time for the Pipeline Show, and it's uh, great to catch up once again. Thanks for doing this. All right, I'll try to get a couple players for you next week. I appreciate that, Pete. All right, see ya. That's a great way to end an episode uh, with Pete Krupski, longtime voice of the, well, I guess not longtime voice of the uh, U.S. National Development Program, but a longtime voice in junior hockey as he uh, was with the Plymouth Whalers when we first first started doing the Pipeline show. And uh, I have to say, one of the best uh, uh, media guys, team, uh, like uh, the media contact uh, for uh, the media. Uh, you call him and you ask him to set up an interview and he goes the extra mile to, to, to make it happen. Uh, always really appreciate uh, Pete and everything he's done for the the Pipeline show over the last, uh, well, 14-plus seasons. And you heard him at the end. Maybe we'll get one of those three guys uh, on before the NHL draft. That would be terrific. That does wrap up this week's episode, though. Looking ahead to next week, it's going to be more of the same. 2019 draft spotlight segments uh, from now until the, uh, the NHL draft. A reminder, you can hear the TSN 1260 NHL draft coverage on uh, Myself, uh, Andrew Peard, who uh, called games for the Oil Kings this year, and um, Alan Mitchell, a.k.a. Low Tide of TSN 1260, and uh, pretty pretty popular guy on Twitter, especially if you're an Oiler fan. Uh, we'll all be doing the draft show on TSN 1260 on uh, Friday, June 21st, that evening. Uh, who are the guests uh, lined up for next week? Well, we don't know at this point. I don't have any uh, confirmed guests. Uh, you heard uh, Pete say he's going to try to get me a couple of players. I've had a call into uh, one USHL team for probably the highest ranking guy that I haven't had on the show yet. Uh, so maybe we'll get that uh, guest on. I've had a couple of uh, suggestions come into the inbox uh, as uh, answers to the question of the day, which was uh, 2019 eligible players that I haven't had on yet. Who do you want me to get on? Uh, so there's been a couple of names given to me uh, that way, so I might uh, endeavor to do that as well. But uh, whatever it is or whoever it is, you can expect it to be draft-eligible players between now 
and the NHL Draft on June 21st. Quick thank you to everyone who signed up to be a patron at patreon.com slash the pipeline show. If you don't know what that what I'm talking about when I say that, just go to that website, the patreon.com slash the pipeline show. Be a little uh, video, uh, hide your uh, young children because it's me talking on the video. You don't want to frighten them. Uh, lots of little bonuses and stuff. Uh, it's for basically for people who want to support the show and, and uh, make sure that I'm able to keep doing the show. There is a cost involved in doing the show, and uh, I don't rely completely on advertisers as uh, it is a podcast. And sometimes it's harder to pick up uh, advertisers and sponsors with a podcast than it was with radio. And so a lot of uh, listeners wanted to uh, chip in. So a buck, a couple of bucks a month, five bucks, some people throw in a bit more than that. Um, But it's all set up automatically on your credit card. Really simple to do. Uh, and uh, you get rewards for it. And uh, one of those is early access to all of these interviews. So uh, all four interviews are heard on the show today. Uh, patrons of The Pipeline Show at patreon.com slash show. They've had access to those interviews, a couple of them for sure, since like Monday or Tuesday. All right, until next week, everybody. My name is Keith Flaming. See ya.